0: Well hello, hey, my name's Gordon Bruce and welcome to another edition of Noctales. I'm delighted to be joined by Rory Stone, Managing Director and Cheesemaker-in-Chief at Highland Fine Cheeses-Based-in-Tayne. Uh, hello Rory, how are you? Good to meet you.
1: I'm, I'm very well and very nice to hear to, to hear you. Uh, have you a long way away, I wish we were in the same room together um, uh, chatting away but but this this will suffice.
0: Someday soon, I hope. Uh, We're a wee bit closer. Our our last edition of this podcast, I was speaking to a guest in Waco in Texas, so Tane's a wee bit closer this time. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's not much such a time delay, although you might claim we're in a different century.
0: You get a chance to visit my distillery, it's like stepping back in time, so there's nothing the matter with that, trust me. (laughs) How's business with you guys?
1: Well, inevitably, it's been very different days. Um, this time last year, uh, it was it felt very, very bleak. And I think by April, we were down to about 50% of turnover that then quickly turned and may you saw people beginning there was a bit of the blitz spirit and and some of the some of our wholesalers and really got behind sort of click and collect because they still had vans, they still had stock, they still had people. um, And they needed to do something just to keep turning, turning a pound. So by June, we were doing about 80% of what we did last year. And then July, we were back to as lockdown ease, July, August were really very good. But it's been very stop, start and uh, Christmas was amazing this year. It's, and the, the, the big retailers said that everybody was spending money on booze and cheese. So <laughs> I was in good company. Um, <laughs> but January and February flat March. And then just this last week, suddenly some of the wholesalers who just closed the doors, pulled the blankets over the head and said, see you in 2021. They've suddenly started to come back to life. And I think there's, there's a sort of an ex- an expectation. There's a little bit of a bit of pressure and I'm beginning to feel a little bit more relaxed.
0: I was asked a couple of weeks ago what, kind of, what drives you what gets you out of bed in the morning gets you going uh, and I'm, I'm so lucky these days to live in an absolutely glorious part of Scotland and team's a beautiful area as well I've got a fantastic distillery to work with and a really really good bunch of people doing here. Uh, I've, I've never worked with such a nice group of people in my life so if you can't be inspired by that you haven't got a soul what gets you going in the morning?
1: I think too often a generation today are in search of happiness, and uh, that's that's a very elusive uh, target for all of us. What do we want? Contentment? That we've you know there's nothing like a hard day. I mean, this morning I tipped four thousand liters of milk into into little breeze and camembert. I tipped a thousand liters of milk into Minger. I. I was stirring 4,000 liters of milk in different vats to make Strathdon perhaps uh, Blue Murder. It's that constant challenge. It's that constant. And there's always, I had a wonderful phone call last night a young couple deepest south. they started making blue cheese about a year ago and they ran into a whole raft of issues with their cheese and i suddenly realized when i was talking to them that i've done my ten thousand hours as you have in whiskey i've done my my apprenticeship i still think and and, and this is always the case that the older you get the more you do the more you realize you don't know but when yeah. I was talking to them, they were going through all the things that they would tried, all the things that they were doing. And I, my heart was bleeding for them because you could sense that it was torture. They were throwing away cheese. They can, and it was a joy to be able to do that, to pass that on. And uh, and to hear sort of a sense of relief that they had a way forward. And I think I don't think you'll ever make the perfect dram or the perfect cheese or the perfect wine because if you say it's perfect, well, you've just stopped trying you know there's always tomorrow there's always a little hint of an improvement uh something um that you can do just to 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 develop and and to push on and and so i think manufacturing taking a raw material taking barley and malting it and 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 the water and, and putting it in a a butt or a hogshead or you know taking a cheese and and watching it maturing and nurturing it and saying hang on a minute you know i think it's a bit warm in here or it's a bit dry in here and then getting to a point where you think oh my goodness that's that's actually it's got legs it's quite nice and we might give it a few more months and i'm sure that's what you get in in whiskey if you tap a uh uh, um, a barrel and, and and try something and go oh goodness maybe you know that's that there's something special going there so that's as close to happiness as you can get. With cheese and whiskey, I mean, I would love to be rubbing shol- shoulders with more distilleries. And we've done some whiskey and cheese pairings and things. It's great and excitement. But I have to sort of keep my feet in the ground and say that, that cheese is a very sort of tangible thing. You know, it's still a grocery item. When you think the input cost to to, to whiskey is, is you you know, you can't really measure the cost of the water or the, or the barley or but it's the immeasurable cost of the expertise and the time you're selling something more ethereal really
0: cheese making uh, it's it's a very traditional industry as well isn't it um... it is
1: Crowdy would be made traditionally around about 18 20 hours it would sour and set and then you scrambled it like eggs and then hang it up in a a pillowcase or a muslin, drain off the whey, and add salt to it. And and, and that was the simplest way of preserving milk. I think down in your part of the world, they used to make a thing on farm called a kebuk, K-E-B-B-O-C-K, which was more of like a pressed crowdie. I believe it was a Viking introduction to the highlands to make crowdie. So, yes, it, it is preserved milk. That's all cheese is. And it goes back at least 5000 BC, perhaps even 10,000 BC. They found pots and they found uh, pe- people's t- and cheese was uh, obviously a great food store. It was uh, um, it was used by armies. It was, you know, you could keep it for so much longer. People traded in cheese. So it's certainly been around a very, very long time.
0: Distilling, we're, we're very much at the, the, the hands of nature here. Uh, we, we want to make a consistent quality product the whole year round. We don't want to make a fantastic quality new mix one week and make something middle of the road or mediocre the following week. So we're, we're just striving for consistency. And obviously, we've got rain, snow, warm weather, cold weather, frost in the air. It's all got a big, big impact on, on how the distillery runs and how we need to tweak the process to ensure consistency. Cheesemakers, do you find the the same issues with the seasons? Your your raw material must change quite a bit from season to season.
1: Absolutely, and it's fascinating to hear you talking about you you have basically with without overemphasizing it the same nightmares I do, which is the consistency issue because There's challenges, f- it's challenges. not nightmares, oh. it's a challenge. Or an opportunity, yes, the, I think they say, yeah. Yeah, okay, but but it's still, you know, it's it's um any fool can make a hundred batches of cheese and find one that'll bring you medals and, and, and plaudits. It's making sure that you raise the game from the bottom up that the other ninety nine are at least within five percent. So I'm completely with you. That's one of the the toughest things. And slightly to our detriment, um, cheesemakers have, have achieved some sort of elevated status. We've become a little bit sort of woo-woo evangelical in our chat about what we do. And, and you know, we've gone back to sort of practicing astrology and, and, and alchemy and apothecary rather than the science-based thing that it is. You've got to understand the process. And it's no different today as, than it was done a hundred years ago. But with cheesemaking, it's it's critical that the, the raw material is good. And we've managed to get our dairy farmers to move to more traditional breeds because when you see what you can produce and the, and the flavors you can get when you've got more traditional Ayrshire's or Jersey's, or we see some people now with Montbelliards and, and some continental uh, breeds, um, my parents had dairy shorthorns. Uh, so they had amazing solids. So it, it's uh, absolutely what you're talking about exa- in exactly the same terms, in exactly the same language. Last year, we started buying up a little bit of milk from, actually from, um, from in Angus, uh, from a, a farm called Ludney, and, and they were, they're milking um, a Frisian Jersey cross. It's a New Zealand cross. And it was incredible the the yields that you you got from this wonderful high protein milk and these are all they're, they're milking they're all grass-fed cows they even dry them off in the in the winter you know they, they, so it's a very sympathetic uh, way of dairy farming and I think people want to know that now they want to know that the cows get out. you can't keep cows out anywhere in this country in, in the entire United Kingdom all year round talking to these two cheesemakers in the south uh, uh, last night and they said oh our cows have just gone out and I thought oh, are you lucky so and so we won't get the cows out until probably mid to late April or early May depending on whether it, you know, we get a bit of, a bit of warmth in, in the ground and it's dry enough to let them go um, but people want to know that I think that
0: traceability is so important as well I think people are more aware of, well, I, I know personally I, I like to know where my food's come from how it's been made. Uh, we can do something similar at the distillery, thanks to not using computers. Uh, if we've got a particular batch of whiskey and I find out one of the cast numbers that's been used to produce that batch, it's dead easy to dig the old handwritten records out of the container. Uh, we, we can... Tell what barley we've used. We can tell the customer if they want to know who's mashed that, who's distilled it. We can even tell them who's filled it into cask. The, the, the provenance, the traceability, is it, it's really important to me, and I, I think I think that's growing too. And and the way people look at food and drink these days. And Your your process, I mean, you have a wee bit of history there. Uh, it, it's something I've never, to my shame, I've never actually visited a. Is that a cream really or a cheese really?
1: The last thing we ever try and call it is a factory because it always sounds hellish if you say that. So oh, yes, <laughs> yes. So we call it we call it Blalith Farm, even though I'm surrounded by an industrial estate. Um, now it used to be my parents' farm, and in fact, in 1560, the original building was the town's brewery. So it was the Springfield Brewery in Tain, and it stopped in the late 19th century when, of course, I think uh, our friends down the road uh, started de- developing. Uh, their whiskey
0: yeah so it's still very much a hands-on process
1: it it is and and yeah. uh, the human decisions and i'm sure this is the same in, in distilling the human decisions are still absolutely critical the time to 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 cut the curd the time to pitch it and, and take the whey off the time to to put the the curd into the molds these are all absolutely, and it's just you're constantly watching and checking and and uh, all of my time really is spent in the dairy. I mean I'm useless in the office. I'm not very bright. Uh, I'm best out of that place altogether. So just just look after the cheese making. And I'm sure it must be the same in distillery that you're you're constantly going to the mash tun or you're constantly looking or reading, you know, how things are moving and evolving so that you're you're trying to get that that consistency with your product. But it is yes it's a, it's still very much handmade.
0: <laughs> Good i pleased to hear that. Uh, I, I think the 21st century is so overrated, as indeed were large parts of the 20th century. So I'm pleased to say that not Do is still totally manual-operated site.
1: You're probably unaware of just what an incredible encyclopedic knowledge you must have gained over the years.
0: But every day is a school day. Honestly, you, you yes. learn something new because we're working with our main raw material country living things. Uh, it, it, it changes all the time. So every, every day is definitely a school day, but it's just as well. It, was, it would be so boring if a distillery existed. You pour poor malty barley in one end and pour whiskey at the other end. It wouldn't wouldn't be a lot of fun, would it? No, and
1: it, and if it was just so easy, then then it would would greatly detract from from the industry i mean i think it's 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 the magic it's that that extra element that gives the incredible cachet that that the world is buying into um, people people are still and an, and continue to grow to be ever more excited by um by our incredible national spirit and uh, I, I just live in hope that one day cheese gets its little time in the spotlight too but we're, we're still well. still a way to go
0: I'm sure it will.
1: I'm not sure where it, where it's six o'clock in the world, but but, but it's, it's uh, it, when it do is we get somewhere. round to tasting?
0: Whenever you want, go for it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Would you suggest we start in the 12-year-old?
0: I start with the 12, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've tried it before. Uh, for me, uh- it's a... Uh, Sweet, smooth, soft, subtle—very, very elegant whiskey, and it's a whiskey for any time of the day.
1: You, you were very, you were absolutely bang on about blue cheese and peated malts working well because the saltiness of blue and the—I'm guessing—and please correct me if I get this wrong—the the the sweetness of 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 peated whiskey. I think it's a terribly good combination.
0: Beautiful, they just bounce off each other so well. Uh, I've, I've got a friend who comes and visits me from Italy every couple of years, and he always brings me a, a really nice parmesan over, oh, yes. which works so well with peated whiskey
1: as well. I'm now pulling the cork. Do you want to hear that? Go on then. Did that come? Oh,
0: that was satisfying. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, and and this is the twelve year old, and it's oh, it's glorious
0: we've we've different whiskies for different occasions I, I think the 12 is such an approachable whiskey
1: now at what stage do i put my coca-cola in
0: preferably before your umbrella and your straw <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um you you've, you've said something that i'm really really pleased to hear you say is that you know because i'm not i have to i i, I like whiskey uh i am a whiskey drinker perhaps sometimes to my detriment but. I I you know the the whole nosing and everything you've said there, I know there's a place for that, but I almost think that we're missing that bit now, the that' um, <laughs> be called fun. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> where you sit amongst friends and the lies get bigger and bigger, and the laughter gets louder and louder, and you're just sharing the most impeccable moment. and I don't think there's another drink that you can do that with, where you sit two, three, any more than one. I think it's very particular to whiskey. And I, I don't think, you don't see people doing it with other spirits at all, perhaps champagne. But whiskey has that special moment where everybody has a dram, there's an appreciation, but it doesn't stop to, to you know, it's not intrusive to the conversation. Uh, you're having fun. That's That's a great way of putting it
0: is that a highland thing i wonder no what kind of worries me a wee bit these days there's there's so much pretension and we've got to analyze and we, we, we are losing very much in danger of losing sight it's supposed to be a bit crack it's supposed to be a bit fun that's what that's what we make the stuff for you?
1: i'm going to dive in and i'm absolutely hopeless at describing tastes and Notes, but maybe you guide me through as I am doing a
0: It's a pers- such a personal thing. Uh, we, we all taste and smell things slightly differently. Uh, normally, when you hear the words sweet, smooth, soft, subtle, and elegant, not, not do you immediately think people are speaking about me, but they're actually speaking <laughs> about the twelve-year-old.
1: You as a twelve-year-old. Uh, <laughs>
0: long time ago <laughs>
1: uh, it's it is a very delicious dram that is very very nice very approachable very very easy that that is delicious
0: what cheese would you put with that really nice nice bit of cowbuck uh,
1: Oh god a, a Caboc beautiful wheat cheddar ne- cowbuck's my nemesis i i refer to that as a sort of a heart grenade it was a a, a leftover from the 1960s that my parents introduced and and uh most people try caber and they go, "What the hell is that?" Um, but Delicious. you know, I have I have been known to eat it. <laughs> I I think it's just about experimenting. I I think the only true one is probably is the blue cheese. Oh, you got you got you got a bigger cork than I have. I'm sure. I hope you haven't got a bigger bottle than I have.
0: I'm actually sitting at the drinks cabinet just now. <laughs> my desk for today.
1: <laughs> it's a really tough thing to do in a Friday afternoon, isn't it? <laughs> oh yes i've got a 1700 litre cheese fat sitting outside the dairy that just got delivered today from holland and i should be trying to push it in through a through a, through a wall and i don't think i'll bother <laughs> the day's lost i'll walk the dogs instead i mean i'm working my way round. i of course i adore glenn and, and i i'm always rude and say it's the second best whiskey in the world because i'm going to spend the rest of my life looking for the first best but um i also have a love of uh, klein leash and old pulteney um klein leash is a particular favorite and Bal blair but i find that my tastes are changing and i'm moving more towards the east coast um probably i'll always say that you know highland malt's what i'm what i want but my heart's moving a little bit more that way do you, Is there a noticeable difference? Do you know that the terroir is just going to produce that style of whisky or can you com- completely manipulate it in the distillery?
0: Peat whisky has become a lot more popular in the last few years. So in 2014, we, we dipped our toe into the, the peat single, mar- single malt market. And you're, you're speaking about terroir there. Uh, the, the peat that we use or the maltsters use to... To dry the the malt that we use is an Aberdeenshire peat, and it's got very very low levels of the the compounds that give that medicinal TCP iodine taste that you get in some of these Isla whiskies. So we're we're really looking for a more of a, an ashy a wood smoke style smoke rather than TCP or iodine.
1: That, you you see, that's that, n- that's nothing like an Isla peated. That 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 I definitely the instant I pulled the cork take that to my nose that's that's it's a lovely peat but it's it, it's definitely it's not it, that's not isla at all that's that no, uh, i mean it's wrong to even use that there's, there's no point i'm not saying one's better than the other but that's just completely different and that's purely down to the aberdeenshire peat
0: yeah yeah i'm really pleased with the peated variants i, I think the one that the smoke doesn't overcome or flatten or overpower the drum we still get that nice fresh fruity estuary notes that we expect with a knock, but combined and really, really well, well bonds with the smoke from the peat.
1: That's really, really interesting. I just thought peated whiskey, it's not for me, and yet that's, that's delicious.
0: I find whiskey's is very much a mood drink as well, uh, what bottle you're each for and what you pour depends who you're with, the time of day, how your head's working. Do you get the same thing with cheese?
1: There are definitely times when I think it just doesn't work. But uh, um, I was in I was in Boston um, and New York in 2019, and uh, I was going off to the fancy food show in the Jacob Javits Center and wandering around in New York in a kilt. Um, and you you forget, you know. I, I did this a number of years ago with Neil's Yard Dairy, and and uh, you know, if you're in a kilt, everybody's got something to say. Or, or any microphone or camera that goes past, somebody's going to take a picture or ask you a question. Or even if they're just going past and giggling and going, nice skirt, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it, it's a great selling tool. And it's always a pity when you see Scottish companies going abroad and not using it. It's one of the simplest things we have in our repertoire. And then I was in Boston and I had to give a, a talk about cheese and there was, they had some rye sourdough bread and there was a minga and it was a lovely warm evening. And the minga was just beginning to, to try and remove itself from the plate. It was sort of, it was a bit uh, Dali-esque, it was, you know, sort of folding over the sides. And I remember at that particular point, you know, I think we'd had a couple of drams. Everybody was talking and enjoying themselves. And you just couldn't stop eating the minger. It was just warm and runny and gooey, and it smelt hellish, and it tasted glorious. There are just so (laughs) there are moments when it does work, and I don't know if that's just the mood, the atmosphere.
0: So we've been over the peat Whiskey, which is actually quite a new addition to our range. Every now and again we'll 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 have a limited edition bottling and maybe just something a wee bit different, a wee bit special. And have you guys got anything in the pipeline that's gonna be new products in, in, in your range? It seems to be seems to be expanding all the time.
1: Well it it, it perhaps sometimes I am fearful that we end up looking like the jack of all trades and the master of none. But it, it by doing new things you you always learn a little bit more about those processes that you're already doing. We you said very early on that you were surprised that we made a cheddar. And I remember when we first started making cheddar, Kathy Biss came over from Achmore to teach us. And we made it for about six months and I thought, oh well, rather grandly, I will now go and I will grade my cheddar. I'll taste the cheddar. And I rang Kathy in great excitement. I said, Kathy, you won't believe this. I've tried all the batches of cheddar we've produced over the last six months. And they all taste really, really ordinary. And uh, in fact, worse than that. And she said, so why are you excited? I said, because for the first time, we've we've managed to consistently get it wrong. And if we could just find out where we were going wrong, I'm sure we could get it consistently right. And this comes back to the whole consistency problem. It's terribly difficult uh, to, to match, you know, to keep going. I mean, maybe we think consistency is too dull. So by doing new things, we so often learn We made some what we'd called in the past Fern Abbey, which was a used milk brie, and it was just so nice. It was a lovely, lovely flavour. We made St Duthick Blue, which was a used milk blue, which I've I've sent you a piece of, which I thought, again, was really, really nice. And then I couldn't resist it. I thought we should make a minger with with sheep's milk. Uh, And it was truly delicious because then we can call it you minga. and then i'd quite like to do a small version of that which we'd have to call you we so um so i'm not sure whether it's about the different cheese styles or the different milks or whether it's just i want to keep coming up with really stupid names for my cheese but but it's uh, it, it it also helps to make the um the Make the week go by when you've got a, a new trial, something different happening, and uh, and a lot of them, you know, never make it past stage one. But every so often, you hit on something. You think, oh, we need to do that.
0: So you're the, the creative flair and the marketing genius behind teen fine cheeses too. Oh, a, the village cheese. No. Well, I think that's maybe just about. Time to call it quits. Uh, Rory Stone, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest this afternoon. Um, I really look forward to the day soon where we can do this face-to-face over a dram and a nice bit of cheese. Uh, It would be a joy.
1: (laughs) It would be a joy. It's been so much fun. And I I think we've probably cornered that thing that we talked about right at the start, was that it... We don't need to be too reverential. It's about sharing a dram and having fun. And, and uh, this afternoon's been just pure pleasure. Thank you so much. I'll
0: raise a glass to that. It's thank you very much, really.